Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this lesson from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from the Scriptures will equip and motivate you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. have your sermon notes and I've been in this series on stewardship for the last I don't know month and a half or two months but with summer we get interrupted with a lot of different things from graduations to baby dedication to VBS commencement by the way wasn't last Sunday an, an, an amazing Sunday and see all, all those kids in our vacation Bible school and so once again we do appreciate everyone that worked in VBS let me give you a quick update on Faye. I know most of you have been asking me about her. Uh, she fell out here last Sunday. Uh, the ambulance came. They did take her away. Uh, she she did break her nose, uh, and she has a bunch of bruises, and she's doing follow-up visits to the doctor. Uh, so continue to lift up Faye uh, to the Lord in prayer, if you will, and continue to pray for her as she recovers. Uh, but Wow, what a what a bad, nasty fall that she had. So let's uh, continue to pray for her, okay? All right, so in this stewardship series that I've already spent, what, about three or four messages on, now we're going to transition into the area of our finances. And so I've kind of titled this part of the stewardship series simply Faith, Finances, and a Fresh Start. Uh, our stewardship has a lot to do with a lot of areas of our life, but one of the primary areas is our finances and our money. So uh, I'm going to be talking probably the next two or three sermons on money. So I hope that doesn't scare you. I hope it doesn't drive you away. I really want to try to share with you what Scripture has to say about our finances and about our money. Remember, we are just managers, right? Whenever we get into stewardship principles and seeing what God's Word says about that, there's a few things as we recap and think about some of the messages I've already shared about stewardship. One is the fact that we're just a manager, right? Four words we always know whenever we talk about stewardship, and I hope you can recite them for me. God owns it all, right? It all belongs to Him. He owns everything. I am just a manager, that's one of the reasons why I think we should take care of the things that God has placed into our care, into our possession. I think we ought to maintain it well. I think we, ought, and I could go on and on and on about that. But we need to take care of what God has placed into our possession because we don't own it. He's the owner of it, right? And he's placed it in our possession to take care of. Another thing, another principle that we talked about through our stewardship series is the question that we ask ourselves, are we a river or a reservoir? And we want to live life as a river, right? Allowing the blessings of God to flow through us and then us in turn bless and give to others. But not a reservoir where we're just hoarding up things for ourselves. And, you know, it's kind of like a mentality. I get all I can, I can all I get, and I sit on the can, right? 
That's not the mentality we need to have. We need to have the river mentality that it all belongs to God. I'm just a conduit tapped into him. I'm the river that, that's going to, his blessings are going to flow through me. And as fresh water comes into the river, I'm going to dump it out somewhere and try to be a blessing to others. And uh, I'm going to have an illustration for that next week, uh, which is a very cool illustration of a current event that's taking place in sports. And some of you sports guys probably know what I'm talking about. I'll talk about that next week. But today I want to talk a little bit about faith, finances, and a, a fresh start. Let's pray together, and then we'll jump right into this message. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the principles that are found in the Word of God. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who illuminates the Scripture and brings it to our remembrance, opens our hearts and our minds to the interpretation thereof. And we just pray, God, that you speak to our hearts today. Oftentimes, when, oftentimes whenever we talk about money in the church, there's a coldness that comes over people. And Father, I just pray that you remove any of that today. I'm not here trying to get anybody's money. But I am trying to teach what your word has to say about your money that's in our possession. God, you own it all, and we're just managers of it. And I just pray through this, this part of the stewardship series when we're talking about money that you would open our hearts and our minds to your word. And God, you would help us not to fall into the snares and the temptations of Satan. We ask your blessings on the message, we ask your blessings on the heart and life of each individual that's here today. All the families of our church, wherever this message may go, we pray you bless those that receive it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This, uh, here right now currently, Miss Beth Evans is leading a, an amazing uh, study called Financial Peace University here on Tuesday evenings. And there's quite a few individuals and couples and families and what have you that are going through that study with her. It's an amazing study. If you haven't gone through that and you missed it this time, possibly when it's over, we can revisit the, the idea of maybe offering it again and have, let, letting that be an ongoing study. But with that being said, there's a lot of things that Scripture has to say about money, and we're going to continue to talk a little bit about that. Let me share with you, and I think I've got a slide for this, one of Satan's most effective delusions. And by the way, you should have your sermon notes, and I put this in the sermon note for you. If you did not get a sermon note, raise your hand and we'll get, get some to you. we got one here in the front. Miss Terry didn't get one. There, Dan's going to give you his. Anybody else need any? Okay, here's one of the things I want you to see. This is one of Satan's most effective delusions, is the idea that happiness consists in the things that we possess. Now, think about that and let that sink in. Happiness does not consist in the things that we possess. But Satan oftentimes is painting that picture for us in the world. And we've got to be aware of his devices. In the world today, he's wanting you, and he's actually built a golden calf, an idol, if you will, called materialism. And what he's doing, he's, like the, he's almost like the barker on the midway who is yelling out, Come and worship at the foot of materialism. Come and bow at the golden image, the golden calf that I've set up called materialism. Come get and gain and possess and achieve and have. Then you will be happy. Well, guys, let me tell you, there's no happiness that's found in the golden calf of materialism. That's a false god. It's a false idol. But it is the the tinsel, if you will, or the lure or the bait that Satan puts out in front of all of us to come and worship at that. Next slide is simply this. Christians are not automatically exempt from this. 
Okay? From bowing at the idol or the false god or the altar of materialism. Just because you are a believer in Jesus Christ doesn't mean you are exempt from Satan's schemes. He's going to try everything he can to get you off the path that God wants you to go down and divert your attention and get you to follow this God of materialism. I mean, we see it everywhere. We see it on the Internet. We see it on the printed page. We see it in the display windows whenever we're shopping. We see it on the showroom floor. We even see it in the Joneses driveway, right? Trying to keep up with everybody else, worshiping that God of materialism. It's almost like a plague, is it not? And there really is no happiness. You're always chasing it. Enough is never enough. And whatever you get, it's never enough. You need to get more. Whenever that's taking place, it's a pretty good idea that you are on the road to chasing and worshiping the God of materialism. And we've got to guard our hearts against that. Matter of fact, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, And verse number 8, in the context of this passage, Peter is instructing us to live as aliens and strangers. And then he says in 1 Peter chapter 5, in verse number 8, he says, be self-controlled. Think about that. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So be alert. Have self-control. Because Satan is trying to distract you, right? He's trying to distract all of us through possessions. We can look in the Word of God also in Luke 16 and many other passages of Scripture, and you'll find out that money is really a small thing. It really is just a little thing. Satan has kind of blown it all out of proportion, but it really is a small thing. Because money cannot buy you happiness, right? You never have enough money To buy you happiness. Money cannot buy you eternal life. You never pay your way into heaven. Right? So money can't buy you happiness. It can't buy you eternal life. It cannot even buy real meaning in life. Money can buy none of those things. As a matter of fact, one thing that money does do, it reveals our spiritual orientation. It reveals a little bit about our relationship with God And it has a lot to do with our attitude whenever we start thinking about money. It reveals all of that. And so we're going to spend a little time talking and teaching what God's Word has to say about money. Here's something that you may be interested in. Scripture has a tremendous amount to say about money. 16 of the 38 parables of Jesus deal with money. One out of every 10 verses in the New Testament deal with money. With money. Scripture has over 500 verses on prayer, less than 500 verses on faith. Now, is faith and prayer important? Yes. But here's what I want you to see over 2,000 verses are on the subject of money. And why is that? This is one of the principles that we've already talked about in our stewardship. The Bible says, Where your treasure is, finish it for me, there your heart is also so wherever it is that we are placing our money guess what's following that our heart right our lives now here's the deal god is not after your money he's after your heart right so why do you think it is that god implemented the tithe into the local church is it because he needed your money come on guys no why is it you think he implemented it 
Because he wants your heart. He wants your life. And so he knows that what we invest in, our heart and our life is going to follow that. And just call a time out in your own personal life. And just go back and look and see where you're investing your money. And look and see how much time and effort and energy of your life is being invested in that. And it's pretty evident that we can see that where we place our money, there our heart and our treasures are also. So money, money affects us in many different ways, right? I mean, it has a lot to do with our spiritual relationship and it really kind of is a, um, uh, it kind of sets the, uh, the, the thermostat for that, if you will. But it affects our attitude and our mindset. Let me share a little story with you. There's a couple that I'm going to talk about. Her name is Henrietta, and his name is Herman. And Herman and Henrietta had been married for some time, but Henrietta inherited this huge inheritance through her family. I mean, she's worth a ton of money. And they're already married when she gets this inheritance, and so they go out and think, you know what, let's build us a new house. So they build them a brand new house. And they're out looking at the house as soon as it's built, and they just got the key to it. It's done. They walk in. It's empty, but it's a brand new house. And Henrietta looks over at Herman, and she says, Herman, don't you love our brand new house? He says, yeah, I love it. And he says, Herman, if it wasn't for me and my money, we would not have this house. Herman nodded his head and agreed with her. She walks out into the garage where she had just purchased a brand new truck for him and a brand new car for her, beautiful brand new vehicles. And she looks out over the garage with a lot of pride in her heart. And she says, Herman, if it wasn't for my money, we would not have this brand new truck and this brand new car. And Herman says, well, yeah, I agree with that. And then later that evening, they had went out shopping and bought brand new furniture. And the big truck arrived and delivered all the brand new furniture into the house. And, and she says, Herman... If it were not for my money, we would not have all of these treasures and all of this, this furniture here in the house would not be here if it wasn't for my money. Herman acknowledged that, didn't really say anything. Then later that evening, there was a special delivery, and the, this massive entertainment system was delivered, and this mega TV and sound system, and it was just a wonderful thing for all of you guys that are into that. And They're sitting there, and they're watching a movie in that brand-new house, and the brand-new furniture, and brand-new cars in the garage, and brand-new entertainment system. And Henrietta looks over at Herman, and she says, Herman, if it wasn't for my money, we would not have this entertainment system to enjoy tonight. Finally, Herman had had about all he could stand. He looks over at Henrietta and he says, Henrietta, he said, I don't want to get you upset or anything, but let me tell you something. If it wasn't for your money, I would not even be here. <laughs> right? <laughs> not a little, little joke, but it affects us in weird ways, does it not? So let's talk a little bit about money. I want to talk to you simply about getting on the road to financial freedom. Now, I'm not talking about how to make a million dollars in one year. That's not what I'm talking about. As a matter of fact, there may be those of you that are out there saying, boy, if I could just make a million dollars, that's all I would need. Do you realize that most of you will make more than a million dollars in your lifetime? Have you ever stopped and think about that? I mean, you're going to work about 40 years, right? If you make $25,000 and you multiply that out times 40 years, my mathematician, am I close to a million? Two million? So, so we're, going to make a, we're going to make plenty of money, Right? I mean, the average workers out there, I don't know what the average worker's salary is, but, you know, if you make twenty dollars or $25,000 a year and you multiply that over 40 years, then you're going to make quite a bit of money. So that's not the problem. The problem is your heart about it, your attitude about it, your mindset about it. That one million, okay. All right, thank you. 
So it's one million dollars. Twenty-five thousand a year times forty years is a million bucks. Okay, so you're you're probably going to make a million dollars in your lifetime. So what's the problem? The problem is our mindset about it. The problem is maybe we're not lining up with what God's word has to say about our finances and money. So we're going to talk about that. So if you will allow me to be the navigator for this, I'm going to share with you eight major turns that you must take to get on the road to financial freedom. And I'm not talking about making a million in a year. I'm not talking about making any dollar amount that we would deem, oh, if I could just get that. I'm talking about taking the $25,000 a year that you may earn. And most of you probably earn more than that. But if you just take that and manage it well, how you could be on the road to financial freedom. So I just want to be your GPS, okay? (laughs) Usually my GPS will say something like this. Stop and make a U-turn, right? Re, uh, what's it called? Redirecting, re, rerouting, rerouting. It's because I hate those things, don't you? I mean, when it tells me to turn here, I, I'm thinking in my mind, I think there's a better way than here. And usually I've got to somehow swallow my pride and get back to where it told me to go. But if it tells me to turn right and I look at it and it wants me to do a U-turn, I'll just turn left and do a U-turn and go back, right? Any of you guys out there like that? So let me help you navigate a little bit on this road to financial freedom. I've got eight major turns that you must take. I'm going to share four today, and I'm going to share four more next week, okay? So let me give you four major turns that you must take. Turn number one is this. Now, these are just principles, but turn number one is this. You've got to get a hold of this. Turn number one, you. Everybody say you. Everyone say I am responsible for financial planning. Everybody say that. I am responsible for financial planning, right? And I realize, and Dave Ramsey, I love his analogy. He talks about how one is the nerd and one is the free spirit. And it's been many years since I've taken his course. Does he still use that analogy? Yeah, it still does. In the household, there is a, there's usually a nerd and there usually is a free spirit. The free spirit's got to come to the table as well. We all got to get together. And what we've got to do is realize that I am the one that's responsible, Okay. For my financial planning. So, without planning based on biblical values, without financial planning that's based on biblical goals and priorities, then money is going to become a very hard taskmaster for you. Matter of fact, you may become like that leaf that's caught up in the whirlwind and it's swept into the world's pursuit of earthly treasures trying to find happiness. But you've got to get a hold of it. And you must be responsible for financial planning. You see, financial planning is a means to good stewardship. You want to be a good steward? You've got to be a good financial planner. It's a means to freedom from the God of materialism. And it also helps us protect the possessions, the resources that God has placed into our, into our care to manage. So we've got to get into the planning stage. Does the Bible have anything to say about that? I'm so glad you asked. Because in Luke chapter 14 and verse number 28, look what this verse of Scripture says. The Scripture says, Is there anyone here who, planning to build a new house, doesn't first sit down and figure the cost So you'll know if you can complete it. You know what that's called? That's called financial planning. So in Scripture, we see the principle that we need to be sitting down and planning out our finances. And financial planning, I'll put this in your notes, I believe. Financial planning should be done in, get this, dependence on God's direction. Everybody say that. Dependence 
on God's direction. Now, I'm talking about financial planning. Whenever we're doing our financial planning, it needs to be done with dependence on God's direction. And in faith, get this, while we rest in Him for security and happiness rather than our own strategies. Okay? Now, the world would tell you in your financial planning, you've got to rest in your own strategies or your own secular thought on this scripture teaches us that we need to to depend on the lord even in our finances we need to depend on god and we need to do our financial planning around his principles for managing our finances and depending upon him for our security guys i hope there's a lot switch that will go off here your, your financial security and your financial future is not dependent upon your job or your boss man or where you are now working. Are you with me? Your financial security and your financial future is dependent upon God. I and we must rest and trust in Him. We must place our securities in Him. Not in our investments, not in our jobs, not in our careers, not in our paychecks. Because here's something I know. Every dime you have invested, every job that you're working right now, all of that can go away tomorrow. It can be gone. Then what are you going to do? Well, if you've been dependent on the Lord through all of it, and you're dependent upon Him for your security and for your happiness... Nothing's really going to change. Because didn't he promise you that he'd meet all your needs according to his riches and glory? Didn't he promise you if he clothed the field and he fed the birds and he made the lilies of the, of the, of the fields grow and flourish? Didn't he promise if he did all of that, he's going to take care of you? Did he not promise that? Right? So our security and our happiness cannot be based in our secular personal strategies or in our jobs or, or whatever it is. It's based on God. That's the principle I want you to get, right? Our happiness is based and founded on Him. Our security is based and founded on Him. Are you with me? I could give you some personal illustrations. I'm not going to bore you with all of those, but maybe I'll write about it in a blog and send it out to you and you can see some of that. But I've seen God work this in my life and in, my, in, in our own personal family. I've seen God bring us through some things. And I'm like, I don't know how this is going to work out. But all of a sudden, God shows up and, and just works some type of miracle, something in our life to take care of us. And what he really wants is for you to trust him. What he really wants is for you to be dependent upon him. So even in your financial planning, we must be dependent upon the Lord, on His direction. We must have faith in Him. We must honor Him first with our giving and our tithe and put our faith in Him. Are you with me? Okay? So turn number two is this. Not only the financial planning that we are responsible for, but turn number two is this. You are responsible for financial Everybody say it with me. Discipline. Okay? Not only are you responsible for financial planning in your life and being a good steward and a good manager, but you're also responsible for financial discipline. I love the scripture in 1 Corinthians 9.27. I'm going to go to Proverbs in a moment. 
But 1 Corinthians 9, 27, the Apostle Paul says, I buffet the body daily. And that didn't mean he went to Golden Corral and ate at the buffet daily, right? That's not what that means. We went to an amazing buffet, and Paul and Abram actually were there as well. A Chinese buffet over in, uh, where is that, Breeze? Over in Breeze. Amazing buffet. And while I'm up there getting from this buffet, getting all this Chinese food, I, I told Debbie and those who were with us, I said, hey, you know what we're doing right now is biblical? The body says for us to buffet the body daily. No, no, I took that a little bit out of context. To buffet the body daily. What does it mean to buffet the body daily? You know what that means? It means to bring into discipline, to bring into submission. So every single day, it is our responsibility to discipline our body. Every area of ourself, we're to bring into submission. So if our financial planning is going to work and have a good long-term effect, then we must implement turn number two and navigate to financial discipline and commitment in our lives. So in other words, we've got to turn our plans into action. I mean, it's one thing to have good intentions, but if you don't follow through with the good intentions, you're not going anywhere, right? So we've got to be disciplined enough to do that. Proverbs 14:23 this verse of scripture simply says that hard work always pays off. I love that. Because I I don't know, maybe it's just the way I was raised. I was raised to work hard. Right? And hard work always pays off. Mere talk puts no bread on the table. <laughs> Mere talk is just good intentions, right? So if we're going to put bread on the table, then we've got to discipline ourselves. We've got to work hard, and our financial discipline is going to have to have some creativity with it as well, as well as commitment and follow-through. So let me give you turn number three. You get the idea. So you've got to have financial planning. You've got to have financial discipline in your life. So let's navigate to turn number three. You, we, are responsible for financial management. So now we've got to manage this. We're planning it out. We're being disciplined with it. We're going to implement it, not just talk about it. Now we're going to implement it, and now we're going to be responsible for our financial management. And faithful financial planning ultimately flows out of a recognition that everything we have, and I know I keep being redundant on this, but this is, this is the foundation. Everything we have belongs to God. It's His. Okay? So I'm going to plan well. I'm going to, I'm going to be disciplined. And now I want to manage it well. First Peter 1 and 17 says, Your life is a journey that you must travel with a deep consciousness of God. Now let that settle in. Your life is a journey. Right? We're all on a journey. But are you living and walking out that journey every single day with a deep consciousness of God? Being aware that it really is all His. And it's my job to manage it and plan and manage and be disciplined and take care of it. Okay? Live in financial management. All we have are our talents and our time and our treasures and our trust. That's been given to us by God, and we've got to invest for his kingdom and for his glory. So turn number four is this one. You, you get the first gist of it, right? 
We are responsible, right, for our financial planning. We are responsible for our financial discipline. We've got to put our planning into action. Once we put it into action, we've got to manage it well and live our life with a deep consciousness of God's presence and be aware that he is working in and through our life. And that brings us now to turn number four. And I'm going to stop with this one. You, we, my friends, are responsible for working. Let me just park here a minute and close out with this one. Do you realize what God's primary way of meeting your needs are through you working? Amen? The number one primary way that God is going to take care of your financial needs is by you getting up and going to work. What a novel idea. Hello? But we live in a world of entitlements where nobody wants to work any longer. I talk with business owners nearly every single week, and they're asking me, Pastor, do you have any young men in your church that need a job? I can't get anybody to work for me. Oftentimes, I hear that. I was talking to a guy just the other day. He owns his own uh, landscaping business, has a, has a huge book of business. And he told me, he said, Pastor, he said, I can't find anybody to work. He said, do you know of anybody I can't get anybody to work. Nobody wants to work. Everybody wants to live off of somebody and everybody else. Are you with me? God's number one way of providing for you financially is you, my friends, getting off of your blessed assurance and going to work. Hello? Really? That's what it is. We've got to understand That work is not the curse. Are you with me? The curse for sinning of Adam and Eve way back in the garden now is not that now you have to work. No, they had to work and tend to take care of the garden before they fell into sin. Are you with me? You know what the curse is now? That now, while you're working, you're going to get tired. Now, while you're working, you're going to sweat. Now, while you're working, when you get up the next day, you're going to feel it. Your body's going to ache. That's the curse. For women, the curse now is in childbearing. That's the curse. Not bearing a child is not a curse, obviously, but the pain that's in that. Are you with me, guys? So work is not the curse. Say that with me. Work is not the curse. Say it again. Work is not the curse. We need some politician to take that to the state of Illinois and then to the White House and say that work is not the curse. Hello? We're supposed to work, right? The number one way that God's going to take care of you financially is you, my friend, going to work. Let me see you young guys back there. Some are still in college. Some are still in high school. You got to go to work. You can't live in mom's basement till you're 35. You got to go to work. Are you with me? All of us, you got to go to work. Are you with me? <laughs> Let's see what scripture has to say about that. And this is the passage of scripture that I had Dustin read for us this morning. And maybe you read, why would he read that passage of scripture? Because I tell you what, so much of our financial um, blessings really hinge on this, or where we are financially really hinges on this. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Even while we were still there with you. Now this is the Apostle Paul writing to the Christians at the church of Thessalonica. 
And he says, even while we were there with you, we gave you this rule. Paul says, this is a mandate that I put down for you. What is that rule? What is that mandate? He who does not work shall not eat. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't need to go to college for six or eight years to figure out what he's trying to tell me right there. Are you with me? I don't even need to know what the Greek had to say about this. Are you with me? I don't need to dissect this much or break this down hardly any. You ain't working. You ain't eating. Right? That's Western North Carolina talk. That's, that's Burke County talk. That's where I'm from. You ain't working. You ain't eating. Are you with me? I love that. That's the mandate. That's the rule. That's the scripture. He who does not work shall not eat. Verse 11. Yet we hear. Get this. Paul's saying, this is the mandate, church, that I gave you. If you don't work, you don't eat. But he's saying, I'm hearing rumors. I'm getting some feedback. Yet we hear that there are some of you living in laziness and refusing to work. Therefore, you don't have anything to do but waste your time and gossip. I kind of added that a little bit, but that's what he's saying, right? You're too lazy. You're not going to work. You're refusing to work, and you're wasting your time gossiping. That's why I say in the church, you know what? If everybody is rowing the boat, you don't have time to rock the boat. Trouble in the church usually comes from folks that ain't doing nothing. Are you with me? (laughs) Everybody smile real big. That really is what's going on. And it was going on in Thessalonica with the believers there. They were lazy. They were trifling. They wouldn't get up. They wouldn't go to work. They refused to work. He said, I gave you the mandate. If you don't work, you don't eat. Yet there's some that are lazy, some that are refusing to work. And all you're doing is walking around complaining and gossiping about everybody and everything else. Hmm. Wow. In the name, he says in verse 12, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we appeal to such people. We command them to quiet down and get to work and own their own, earn their own living. Wow. Still need to work. I, I agree with you. <laughs> I agree with you. If you're able, now I realize there's some folks that, that really are legitimately not able to work. And by the way, guys, listen, if the church did what they're supposed to do in taking care of the elderly and those that couldn't work, we wouldn't need the government doing it. But the church can't do what they got to do because folks aren't tithing and giving into the church so that we can do what we got to do. Are you with me? And the reason folks aren't giving and tithing because they're doing it their way. You've kind of married Elvis Presley. You're just going to do it your way, right? I'm not going to sing it. And didn't he sing that song? I'll do it my way. Wasn't that Elvis? Frank Sinatra. <laughs> did Elvis not sing it at some point? Surely he did. Paul, tell me he did. Yeah, he did. Okay. All right. He didn't originate the song, right? You can't do it your way. If you want to be happy, if you want to be blessed, if you want to be a good steward, you got to do it God's way, Right? And when we all line up and do it God's way, it's amazing what we can do together doing it God's way. And it's amazing how happy we'll be doing it. Right? Man, this is good stuff. So, I've already talked to you about how the work is not, not the curse. So let me wrap it up this way. By the way, when you go to work, and I think I've got a slide for this. Yes. When you go to work, 
And this is for every single one of us. When we go to work, we should be the very best worker on the job. Right? 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all for the glory of God. So when you go to work, don't you join up with those that are gossiping and murmuring and complaining and, and spreading rumors and talking down about the boss and hating your job and on and on and on. Get out of that camp. Right? And get over there and be the best worker on the job. Why? Because, first of all, you are representing the Lord Jesus Christ. I cannot stand it when there's somebody that says they are a believer in Jesus Christ and they act like the devil on the job. That's a horrible representation and it brings really an injustice, if you will, or what's the word I'm looking for? What's the word I'm looking for? It minimizes the gospel. What's the word I'm looking for? I'm looking for a word. It's a biblical word. I can't get it to come to my remembrance right now. Kills your witness. Destroys your witness. Oh, there's another word I'm looking for. I'll get it as soon as I close out service. It'll come to me. But guys, we've got to be careful. We should be the very best worker on the job. I mean, when we're told to do something, do a little more. Right? When we're asked to do this, Ask to do a little more. You say, well, I'm not getting paid for that. God's going to be sure you get paid for that. Right? Be the best worker on the job. 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And I want you to realize, hey, whenever you're doing it on the job, you're not doing it for that physical boss man or boss lady there. You're doing it for the Lord. And He will reward you. And He will bless you. Right? So I guess my question is, I'm going to close this thing out. I've got to stop. I'm going to give you four more next week. But I'm going to stop with this today. My question is simply this. Will you allow Christ not only to be the Lord and, or the Savior of your life, will you allow him to be the Lord of your finances? You want to get on the path to financial freedom? I'm not talking about make a million in a year. You can make a million dollars in a year and still not be happy. Matter of fact, you're probably more miserable than you are now, right? Because you're going to be worried to death. Right? You're going to lose it and on and on. Then you're going to have friends show up you never knew you even had. I mean, life gets tough, right? So quit buying lottery tickets. That's just a waste of God's money. Hello? Are you with me? Will you allow the Lord, will you allow Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your finances? And I think there's probably all of us here today need to recommit to that. And say, God, in my life today, I'm going to ask the band to come if they will, please. In my life today, I'm going to, I'm going to turn over the area of my finances to you. And by the way, if you need more advice and counsel on finances and, and the such, I want you to see Miss Beth as soon as service is over. And she can help you with some Dave Ramsey material and kind of get you turned on to him. And there's some things that I'm sure you could do outside that class and read and see. I know he has a bunch of stuff out there. But it's a great class. But really it's going to rest in allowing Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my finances. When you do that, you're on the road to happiness. You're on the road to security. He promised he's going to meet all your needs. Right? Maybe not all your wants that you think you have to have to be happy. No, he knows what you need, and he's going to be sure he gets those to you. You have security. You have peace and contentment like you've never had. 
you have joy that's just amazing but it all comes whenever we submit and just lay that down at the altar and say Lord I'm going to do my best to be responsible for my financial planning to be disciplined to manage it well I'm going to work and I'm going to be the best worker on the job and I'm going to live out your biblical principles for, for my finances and I'm just going to trust in you it's amazing when we have that heart shift or that paradigm shift and we shift it from what we're doing and the strategies that we just put in place ourselves and we just shift that to God's way it's amazing the peace that that brings and the contentment and the joy and the happiness that that brings and it's just not in stuff it's in knowing the Lord and depending on Him and trusting in Him and that brings a joy and a happiness I promise you if you haven't done that you haven't experienced it you've never experienced joy like that just give it all to Him trust Him with it matter of fact he said in Malachi 3.10 if you'll trust me with that he said, matter of fact the only time when He said I want you to try me in this test me in this He said And I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so large you can't even contain it. I'm going to illustrate that next week with a current event that took place way before the current event took place last week. But it can take place in your life also. Let's pray together. Father, right now, Lord, we just take a moment and we thank you for our salvation that we find in Christ Jesus. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for redeeming us. But our salvation is more than just a fire escape. Yes, we are delivered from a devil's hell. And yes, we can live with you forever in heaven. And Lord, we are so looking forward to that day. But while we are here on this earth, we pray that you help our lives to be an example to those that are watching. May help us to be good stewards and managers of what you've placed in our possession. Help us to honor you with the money you've placed in our care. Help us to be good financial planners, building the strategies around the Word of God. Help us to be disciplined and buffet and submit and discipline ourselves on a daily basis. Help us to manage it well. God, help us to change our outlook on getting up on Monday morning and going to work Monday's not a bad day Monday is a good day Tuesday is a good day Wednesday, Thursday, Friday are good days I I pray God you change our thought process on going to work and help us to be thankful that we have a job and help us to go in there and Spread your goodness and your love and your favor just by being the best worker on the job and help us to be the salt and light of the earth. And I pray, God, that our boss men and women, when they see us on Monday morning, will see a new person walk in that door. So much to, so they're going to have to ask, what has changed in you? God, we can reply that today we surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We gave you our finances. We've got a new outlook on going to work. 
Today, we just want to do it all for your honor and for your glory. And then we're able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray you give us that mentality. Father, I pray for those today that are right now in their heart and in their life. They're laying their finances at your feet. They're submitting to your ways and your word. Father, I pray that you bless them. That you meet their needs. That you're ensuring their heart and in their spirit that all is well. And everything's going to be okay. And give them a joy and a happiness like they've never had before. Father, we ask your blessings. On this message today. On your word today. And decisions that are being made. Bless those that are making decisions for you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to just keep playing if you will please Terry and... Let me wrap this up by saying, if you've made any decision today, will you just let me know? Send me an email or a text, text message or a Facebook message or a Twitter message or a LinkedIn, whatever. Let me know privately that you've made a decision. I want to pray for you. I want to encourage you. I want to send you some things that can, can help you. Uh, but let me know what God is doing in your heart and in your life. Okay? Well, thank you for joining us for this lesson from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with, or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360, or you can email us at victoryfwb at gmail.com. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email Call or send a request to 223 Scott Troy Road, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.